listening to The Loop, a podcast by Mosaic Church. The goal? To know Jesus a little better, so we can live like Him a little more. And now, here's today's host, Jeremy Hall. Hey, welcome to The Loop Podcast. My name's Jeremy Hall. I'm the executive pastor here at Mosaic Church. I am accompanied here by our lead pastor, Brandon Connor. What's up, everybody? And to his left is his wife, Stephanie. Say hello, Stephanie. Hello. And to my left is my wife, Liz. Hey. Uh, Brandon and I talked about this whole podcast before we did it. We both agreed that, yes, we know we've way outpunted our coverage with our wives. So you do not need to send us messages and tell us that. We are well aware. Uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, we're currently in the middle of a series in First Thessalonians chapter 2 where we're talking about the fact that Paul says that the church is for the community. And uh, that really is is completely opposite of what we see in a lot of culture today. I mean, in culture today, we're really for ourselves. So we manipulate people and we use people to get really what we want out of them. And unfortunately, this applies to coworkers and friends and family and, unfortunately, marriages. And so that's why we're here. So this is really Brandon's idea. He says, you know what, let's let's get our wives to come here. And the way we did that was we had uh, one of our coworkers, Jonna, text them because we were <laughs> cowards and we knew they'd say no to us. True story. But they will not say no to Jonna. So, Brandon, why was it important to you to have them come join us and talk about marriages and being for each other in our relationship? Yeah. Um, as we started the series and just started the prep work for it, you know, we came up with this big idea that for far too long the Christian community has been known for what they're against. Mm-hmm rather than being known for what they're for. And the deeper I got into the study and prep work for this series, the more I thought, man, this has the potential to actually transform every single relationship that a person has. That if we can be like Jesus and that we are for people instead of being against people, it can transform things. And I want to see that happen in the family. And so my hope was that we could get our wives together and talk about what's it look like to be for your spouse rather than making it feel like, you're against your spouse. There was a guy um, named Gottman who came up with the Gottman Institute, and he did some research and some studies on families. And when he looked at these couples, he was able to predict at an accuracy rate of 91% whether the family would stay married or divorced. And one of the things that he noticed as he studied these couples is he said, if they start to attack the person rather than attacking the problems in their marriage, they're doomed and they're going to get divorced. And just that thought alone is one of those thoughts that has the potential to transform relationships. Like in a marriage relationship, you don't need to be attacking your spouse. You can attack problems. But when you attack your spouse, you lead your spouse to feel like, man, you're against me. You're not for me. And so we've got to work on this. And if we can get this in our families, it'll transform our families, relationships with our spouses, and even our relationships with our kids that we're going to talk about next week on the podcast. That's good. I mean, and you you quoted Gottman. There's a ton of good books we could talk about Mm -hmm. right now when it talks about being for our spouses. We could talk about love and respect. And I mean, the list goes on and on. We could discuss them. And part of the challenge was where do we go with this discussion? And uh, we decided we're just going to go back to God's word. Yes. Uh, So uh, for all those of you guys listening or watching, I just kind of want to just let you know that we are not the perfect couples. Uh, we tried to find that couple and we couldn't. Uh, so we decided that what we would do is we would just walk through God's plan for the marriage relationship found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 31. And what we're going to do is we're just going to read what it has to say about what we're supposed to look like to be for each other, what God's original intent is for marriage. And we're just going to apply it. 
Now we're going to be real honest. Uh, we, you know, we're not going to try to hide anything from anybody. Uh, I don't know about you, Brandon, Stephanie, Liz, but there's times I've fallen really short of what God's word has called me to do. And I think a lot of us do. And so we're just going to be real honest about that, try to apply it. But the, the goal is hopefully uh, this will encourage all you guys to have the exact same conversation with your spouse. Uh, we really want to encourage you to do exactly what we're doing right here. If you're not married, then get together with a friend and discuss this. So with that said, we're just going to go ahead and jump into Ephesians chapter 5, verse, verses 21 through 24, which actually begins by telling the wives what type of relationship, what it looks like for the wife to be for the husband. And so, Steph, do you mind reading that for us? Sure. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. All right, so there's a word in there uh, that's said a few times. <laughs> Jump into the deep end uh, yeah, of the pool. Yeah, let's go here. Thanks. Yeah, you know, the word submit, and when it has to do with the wives submitting to the husbands, I, I think we all know that women can get defensive and, and men can get excited. Uh, but that's really not the goal of this verse. I mean, this is talking about kind of like this this reverence, appreciation. There's just so much more to it. So so let's just kind of like, let's just start there. Let's just discuss, you know, speak up as you feel led. Uh, but what does it look like for a wife to submit to her husband? And and why is that so important that, that God wanted to put that in his word to show us that this is what it looks like for a wife to be for her husband? What, what does that look like? Well, I think, you know, I'm really glad you started back in verse 21. Mm-hmm. Um, because exactly. a lot of Christian teachers will start in verse 22. And verse 21 is so important because it says that you need to practice mutual submission in the marriage relationship. And so, you know, this isn't, hey, wives, like you're a second-class citizen in the family and you just need to know your place and you just need to submit to him. No, Paul, in the first verse there, he says, you guys need to be submitting to one another. And so in the context of that relationship, as it actually gets played out, you know, it becomes pretty easy to submit to someone like Jesus, yep. which is really what the husband is supposed to be. He's supposed yep. to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And so when the husband is being the man that God has called him to be, then this thing that sounds demeaning, this concept that sounds um, disrespectful to women, it's like, no, 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 that, like, it's easy to do that. Now, from a guy's perspective, I just want to challenge the men who are listening to really think about the whole teachings of Scripture. Because, yes, there is this expectation that wives would submit to their husbands in a greater context of mutual submission to one another. Mm-hmm. But Scripture also tells us that our wives are our helpmates. Yep. And so this isn't, hey, you're the lone ranger. You get to call all the shots. You're the CEO of the family. Yep. You're a fool if you are not leaning into the helpmate that God has given you and said, okay, when it comes to a really big decision that we've got to make as a family, I'm going to consult with the incredible helpmate that God has given me. I'm going to listen carefully. We're going to pray together. And then after I talk to my helpmate, I'm going to talk to what Jesus called the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. And when I get on my knees and I say, hey, we got a big decision and this isn't just affecting me. This is affecting everyone in my family, and we invite the Holy Spirit or the Helper to come along and give us wisdom. Then we're in a position to make the best decision, not for ourselves, but for our families. And it's a decision that I think will actually do really good things for everyone, not just for us. And so I just think men have to understand the whole counsel of Scripture. 
you need to be leaning into your helpmate and you need to be leaning into the helper before you ever ask your wife to submit to you. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, let's talk about the opposite side, Steph and Liz. I'll, I'll kind of put you guys uh, on on the mat here. Uh, I don't know if that's even the right phrase, but we're just going to go with that for right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, even, I know I'm trying He's to getting ready to body I'm slam just, somebody. Yeah, this is great. Like, I'm trying to think, okay, what am, am I going to get in trouble here? Uh, so. <laughs> What does it look like for a wife? When you think about submitting to your husband, um, is that something that you view as like, man, that's, that's laborious, that's, that's work? Or, or do you not see it that way? How do you, how do you see that? I'll go ahead and go. Um, I know husbands, they just respect as something that God has instilled in them that mm. they desire from their wives and from probably everybody. And women want to feel loved and they want to be loved. And so when men are respected, women are loved, and that cycle is continuous, it's easy to submit mm -hmm. because it doesn't feel like anything that our world would say submission is. It feels like a natural part of partnership mm -hmm. with my husband. So I think that respect and love go hand in hand with submission. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'll just kind of go back to that whole mutual submission. I think the thread of Scripture is we submit to one another. We put others' needs above ourselves, whether it's your spouse or mm. your stranger, your neighbor, whoever. I mean, we're always submitting to one another, and so your spouse shouldn't be any any different. Mm. You know, I think submission to there's a spirit of humility, and you know, That's in good. Philippians, Paul tells us, you know, have the same attitude of Christ Jesus. You know, humility. Look yeah. not only to your own interests, but put the other's interests ahead of yours. And so it's not just with your husband. I mean, this is a lifestyle. Yeah. It should be in all your relationships. In our marriage, I kind of see submission in this particular thing is I'm, I'm going to follow Brandon's lead. I'm going to give him opportunity to lead. I think a lot of women are really strong-willed, and they just kind of take it, and they just go with it. And, you know, the husband's working. He's not really having a lot of input. And I think it's important for women if we're going to – practice submission we pull him in and you know ask him his opinion on things and when he gives it we do it and maybe we don't like it maybe we don't quite agree but we're going to trust our husband and more importantly we're going to trust the lord to work for all things for the good yeah that's good that is great because i think there are a lot of men who just disconnect from their families yeah and that's a terrible thing so when a wife invites him into the decision-making process it says you are an important part of this family our family is better when you are a part of it. And so we need you to know what's happening, what decisions we're making, and we want you to lead us. And I just think that's so healthy because, again, a lot of men just say, well, I'll just go live my career. You run the household. I'll bring home the money and go back to work. And that, that's just not going to set up for long-term success in a family. I just thought I'd give a little example. Just even yesterday, um, just a little insight. Um, I mean, he would let me make this. This is not him. I could make this decision without him, but I wanted his input. So we're trying to teach our son um, some lessons about um, gratitude and not wasting money and, you know, that kind of thing. And so um, we have some shoes. He bought some shoes, and they were a horrible color. And, you know, we knew we weren't going to wear them. He didn't wear them. And so he's wearing these old nasty shoes. They're stinky. They're holy. And I'm like, golly. I text Brandon. And, of course, I can go buy my son some shoes, but I want his input. And I'm like, hey, how do you feel about us doing this, this, and this? Are you good with that? Because I think that's a great idea. Let's go for it. 
And so it's that kind of mutual, we're going to include each other. I value his opinion. You know, I want the input. We want to parent our children along the same line. And if he would have said, no, I think we need to do that, then I would have been like, all right, we're going to go with it. Trust the Lord. And And what it did when she invited me into that is it reminded me of something that she had told me about two weeks earlier. She said, I just need you to be very, very involved in our son's life. I know you're busy. I know you've got a demanding work life. But our son is almost 16 years old, and he needs his father in his life as now as maybe more than ever before. And so it's just this gentle reminder. You are a part of this family. I'm not raising these kids by myself. I'm not a single mom. Like I want to involve you in the decisions that we're making and keep you connected in little things and in the big things. Yeah, yeah no, that's that's good. I mean, listen to what all you guys said. It, it really boils down to just doing life together yep. in a way that makes each other feel mutually respected and loved, like Liz said. And and, and so for me, you know, respect is really important to me. I, I think I think men were just wired that way. And and if I feel like I'm being disrespected by my wife and she's not involving me in processes like you're talking about, I'm not just saying she has to talk about everything, but like when I feel like she's living a whole life without me and doesn't care what I think. Hmm. Man, I feel very disrespected, and yeah. uh, and that's hard. But then the opposite side is kind of a segue into where we're going. Is is for women, while while respect is really important to us, uh, for women, love is is really important to them, yeah. and and that's what kind of makes them feel like they they have the partnership. And uh, it, it's it's interesting because when when God tells us uh, what it looks like to be for each other in Scripture, in, in these verses we just read, mm-hmm. it says wives need to do one thing. Uh, but men need to do four, and that's because mm-hmm. women are better than we are, so we need more. And, and it literally what goes on here in verses 25 to 31 is it, it kind of moves to like, okay, as husbands, this is what it looks like to be for your wife. And, and he lists out here, Paul does, he lists out four different types of ways that we're called to, to love our wives. So Liz, why don't you go and read that verse 25 to 31 for me, and we'll just kind of start unpacking that. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. All right, thanks. Let's just let's just jump in. Like I said, there's there's four different demonstrations of love here, and the first one we have in, in verse 25, and it's talking about husbands are we're called to show a sacrificial love for our wives, and it says specifically, let's just read it. It said, "Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her." Uh, so this verse is calling us husbands to literally be willing to lay down our lives for our wife. Uh, but I would argue if we're not willing to lay down our wants and our desires for our wife, we're never going to be willing to lay down our lives. I mean, I think it's all imperative and it all ties together. Uh, so um, uh, all of you, but specifically really want to hear from you, uh, Liz and Stephanie as well, is, you know, what are some practical ways that this looks like to you? I mean, when you think about your relationship with Brandon, you think about your relationship with me, when you think about maybe some of the counseling, some of the discussions you have with friends, obviously, you know, we won't get into details, you know, but what are some ways that you see that, man, when this is what sacrificial love looks like in a daily and weekly basis, and this is what sacrificial love does not look like? What are, what are some insights you have there? 
<laughs> well, I mean, I've just got little things. I mean, sacrificial love. You know, I know he's exhausted after a, a long week. And um, so Friday mornings, that's his day off. You know, every day gets off, gets up at the crack of dawn. And Friday mornings, he gets up before me, takes a dog out because he knows I hate the cold. <laughs> he knows I like to sleep. This is his day off now. Gets up, makes a coffee, takes the dog out, and lets me sleep. And I know that sounds silly, but that's sacrificing. You know, that's sacrificing his wants and his needs for mine. And, um, yeah. I mean, just little things. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it is little stuff. Um, you know, I remember Steph and I were meeting with another couple uh, not all that long ago, and they were having a rough patch in their marriage. And, you know, typical conversation um, that I hear from almost every couple that we meet with. I've got a demanding job as a man. I come home at the end of the day. I'm tired. I want to veg out. She's had the kids all day. She wants help. And the question is, what's going to happen? Like, is he going to be able to sit down, veg out, play some video games, or is he going to step up to the plate and understand that she's had these kids all day long and he's going to sacrifice his own wants and his own desires to step up and care for his wife who needs him in that moment? And for a lot of couples, it is... um, the sad reality is that the guy ends up saying, hey, let me know when dinner's ready. I'm going to watch some television. I'm going to spend the next four, five, six, seven, eight hours on video games. Mm. And like when I hear that stuff, I cringe. I hurt for the family um, because I know that that unwillingness to sacrifice your desires and your wants and some of your needs even for the sake of your wife is going to eventually tear your family apart it's going to breed resentment in your spouse, and it's just not going to end well. And so I, it could be big things. Mm-hmm. But for most couples, oh, especially yeah. young couples and people who are starting out, it's the little things. In fact, the, the uh, book of Song of Solomon in the Old Testament, he talks about the little foxes that creep in and will eat away and destroy your mm-hmm. vineyard. It's those little foxes. It's not the big ones that will destroy your vineyard. It's the little foxes that creep in and gnaw away and eat away at your precious vineyard and will destroy your relationship with one another. And so it starts with just making these small sacrifices for the sake of your spouse to show that you really do love and you care and you're considerate of them. Well, I think, too, just and the funny, it's just funny the way it works. But the more he wants to do for me Mm. makes me want Mm. to do for him. Yeah. And so you end up out wanting to outdo each other, you know, because you feel like he's sacrificing. You're like, oh, no, no, I'll do that. Don't don't get it. You need to sleep. I don't need to sleep. And it's just this beautiful cycle that I think God knew what he was talking about. Yeah. You know, God, he did. And I see that, you know, Jeremy's great about, I mean, he, all, everybody, everybody everywhere works hard, you know, with whatever yeah. you do. But, um, you know, he'll offer to take, we have kids that are in a lot of sports and activities. He'll offer to take them after a long day. And I know, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's white, yeah. but he'll do it, you know, and I feel like that's a great sacrifice. I've appreciated yeah. in him because he's my partner and we'll talk through who wants to do different things. But I also say, you know, even in ministry, though, we're not exempt from exhaustion. And, and kind of like what Brandon was saying, um, there's times Jeremy will come home and he's he's a very hard worker. And I have no doubt he'd lay down his life for me physically. But um, but, you know, he'll come home and he'll keep checking his phone, his text, his emails mm. and, um, you know, sacrifice the time with the family for work and i think that's just something i've i've heard other women share similar expressions and so just remembering that 
we have to say, you know, it's kind of like say yes to the family says no to something else. But mm. every for every yes, there's a no. And every no, there's a yes. And I think that's a sacrifice work. For me. That's getting mm. convicting now. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, it, yeah. And, and what's interesting as well, I mean, we didn't really script this out a whole lot. I mean, part of it we did, but Liz and I talked about that this morning and yeah. she's like, can I share that? And I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. very true. And I'm not proud of that, but yeah, it's interesting. Uh, um, it's sad that sometimes I'm willing to sacrifice my time with the family and not sacrifice my time getting the work done. Yeah. Uh, because key, the work done. Exactly. Cause yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, and it's never done, you right. know, yeah, in my man. role, I'm always getting mm-hmm. texts and calls from staff or people mm-hmm. or whatever. Same as it's like, yeah. there's, there's always something to do. And, uh, and so like this morning when Liz and I were talking about it in, in our living room, yeah, it was, it was like, that's true. It stinks. You don't want to hear it, but I, I that is a big challenge. And yeah. that's something that, you know, I've got to work on because, uh, I don't want to send a message to my family, specifically my wife, but also yeah. my kids. That, you know, I'm not willing to sacrifice for work, but I'm willing to sacrifice time from them. That's not good. It's yeah. not healthy at all. That's a great, great example. The next, uh, we keep going after he talks about sacrificial love. Uh, we're just going to kind of call this like the purifying love. At the end of verse 26 and 27, it says uh, that as husbands, we're to make her, speaking of our wives, holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And, and what it's really talking about here is Paul saying that when a husband loves his wife like, like Christ loved the church, he will do everything he can to always protect his wife's purity. He'll never entice her to do anything that is not virtuous or unholy, and he'll protect that. And so I read that verse, and I'll just be honest with you. I'm like, how, how do you apply that? I mean, what does that look like? So what does it look like for a husband to love his wife in such a way that it's a purifying love? It's it's one that's that's helping drive her towards the character of Christ and not the not from the character of Christ. Yeah. If you haven't read the book Sacred Marriage, he has a whole chapter on this. Um, we've been talking about it uh, with our community group. I think it's chapter seven, and he talks about how the marriage relationship is actually designed to eradicate sin from your life. And he makes the joke in the book. He says, you know, when you're single, um, you don't have anyone that you're even having to hide things from. But you have to hide. Um, it's really hard to hide when you're sleeping in the same bed with someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so what, what he says in the book, though, is he just he says that what happens is, is God created this marriage relationship. And the relationship is really designed so that you can sharpen one another and make one another more like Jesus Christ. And yet what happens is, is we're so afraid that our spouse is going to leave us and not keep their vows that we end up hiding our sin from them rather than being willing to talk about it. And when we get confronted, then we get defensive. And it's really rooted in this fear that is my spouse really capable of knowing the worst about me and still Mm -hmm. choosing to love me? And so many couples are just living in fear that they can't get over that hump that says, listen, I told you. I will be with you for better or for worse. Those were not just traditional vows that we said at our wedding. I meant those words. And so when you get to that place where you say, like, I meant my vows, I'm in it for better or for worse, it creates this opportunity to practice transparency and to really talk about the sin struggles in your life and be able to say, look, this is an area where I see that you're struggling to be more like Jesus. And so as you work on that, not only will you become the man or the woman that God created you to be, but you will become the man or the woman that we need you to be in this family. And those are the kinds of conversations where we can't take it personal. We all know we're flawed. 
We all know that we have sin struggles in our lives. And when we can use the safety and the security of the family, when we can be a place of grace, which is what Christian people are supposed to be about, then we can we can have honest conversations about the sin in our life and how we need to actually change. And that's the purifying work that I think Paul is talking about in this passage. I agree. Yeah. Read the book, yeah. chapter 7. <laughs> Even if you don't read the whole book, read chapter 7. I think I underlined about half the chapter mm-hmm. in Sacred Marriage. So, uh, ladies, what is that? like? Kind of let's just go through that, that mindset is what happens when, when a husband is not honest with their faults? And so let's say they, out in public, man, they put on a facade. Man, they've got, they got a mask mm-hmm. on. And so the Jesus that people see out in public is not the same Jesus that you guys see at home. What does that do for a marriage? Makes it tough, but it, 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 makes, it, it makes it real tough. Drop the mic right yeah, there. Exactly. Makes it tough. Oh, I'm just it does. It does. I mean, I, but I, I think I mean I you know we we counsel a lot. I mean, and so you see that a lot, and I feel like there's just a ton of prayer. I mean, yeah. there's just a ton of prayer mm-hmm. for your spouse. I mean, in order to be, you know, we were talking about submission, and I'm not trying to take us back, but I was thinking about. People are probably listening, thinking, well, that's all good. And, well, when you guys are both trying to live for God and you're trying to do it the right way, but what if you have a stinker of a husband or a stinker of a wife? Mm. And, and it's very lopsided. How am I supposed to submit then? How am I supposed yeah. to purify then? You know, and and that's and that's hard. And I think that, that book that he was talking about, actually talking about sacred marriage, letting it develop in you the character of Christ, even with a, a faulty mate if you want to say that you know where that's know, good yeah um, but i think there's a difference between being aggressive and being assertive and so when it comes to purifying one another you, you don't have to be aggressive mm-hmm. the, the the reason we get aggressive is because we've seen it in them for so long and we've never confronted it that it just boils over, over. yeah when we see flaws in our spouse we need to love them enough because that, that's what this is talking about it is a kind of love that says, I will purify you. I will help you grow to be more like Jesus. I will be that, that iron that sharpens you. I, I will be the friend in your life. So what does Proverbs say? I think it's Proverbs that says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah. I'm willing to wound you in order to make you better. Absolutely. And so I just, I don't know. I, I think that, that, that a lot of people, they, they're not assertive, and then they end up being aggressive and then it, it doesn't work well, and it feels like you're against me, you're not really for me. Well, stop waiting. And when you see flaws in your spouse, lovingly and gently say, hey, my job as your spouse is to help you grow to be more like Jesus. Let's talk about this in your life. And I want you to talk to me about what you see in my life. And again, it's that back and forth teammate partnership that you really see in Scripture. That's good, good. And I think, too, with that, comes consistency on both parts you know where one thing i appreciate about jeremy is he i mean you guys know him he's who he is no matter where he is or who he's with yep. you know whether we're on the sideline at the soccer field or football game <laughs> or at work or at home i mean he's just he is who he is and yeah. so um i never have to guess what jeremy version am i getting today he's always him and so when he challenges me spiritually I know he's equally challenging himself mm. and holding himself to those standards. Mm, and so good. I want to follow, you know, I want to be part of that. And I think the opposite also happens where, um, you know, I've talked to women and their husband's different at work and different 
different than he is at home. And that inconsistency doesn't lead her to want to follow. Mm. And I think it's just such a challenge if, for him to grow the family spiritually to be consistent. It's, it's amazing when we just act with integrity. I mean, and it's not always easy. I mean, you know, Liz right. is like, hey, Jeremy, I see this in Jeremy at home. Like, I hope you do the majority of the time, but I know mm-hmm. I still fall short. Yeah. But it's amazing when we just, when we just try to walk with integrity, it, it solves a lot of these problems, you know. Uh, the next one we're going to look at here uh, is the next verse, uh, starting with verse 28. It talks about, we're going to call it a caring love. It says husbands, it, it goes on, it says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. Now, for a husband, I mean, I'm a thinker. I'm not a feeler. People that know me are like, yeah, that's the understatement of the world. Um, (laughs) uh, But this whole idea of caring love, I've needed tools to to see what that looks like. And so there's a tool that we've had to use in our marriage Mm. uh, that Liz reminds me of uh, regularly. Uh, just talk about that. Maybe people are aware of it. Maybe they're not. Yeah. So it's the five love, love languages by Gary Chapman. Um, you know, acts of service for those who aren't familiar, acts of service, quality time, gift giving, um, physical touch, physical touch and uh, time. Did you say time? Yeah, it's a quality time. time. Um, acts of service. Was it words of affirmation? Words of affirmation, words of affirmation which yeah. is important. Um, but that's Wes's. <laughs> that's hers, too. That's so. so what's that's, I'm glad you nailed it. <laughs> his top way of receiving love is acts of service. And so if, you know, he's, he's a project guy, if he has a list of projects to be done and I happen to knock one off the list before he even has to think about it. Oh, that's it, love. Yeah, that's like the oh, best man. way of showing love. Like He's like, <laughs> this is great, you know. Um, for me and his lowest is words of affirmation. That's my top. And so when, you know, that's how it worked out. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when he uses words to affirm me, of course I hang on to those things like, you know, precious diamonds. And so yeah. that means more to me than anything else. And so I think just knowing your spouse is caring for them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I can't even remember the book where I read it. Um, but as I thought about this whole question and what does it really look like to care for your spouse? I read one time, that a wife doesn't need your mouth, she needs your shoulder. Mm. And so when I think about like, man, how do I care for my wife? And she's talking to me about a problem. Most men that I know are like, well, here's what you need to do to fix that. <laughs> I never do. And we, <laughs> no, never, no, yeah. No. And then you go into problem solving mode, and it's because you care. You're like, man, I, I just I don't want you to live with that problem. So I'm showing you that I care by trying to fix it. Um, actually, the title of the book is called If, she, if He Only Knew. Huh. And, and so in this book, he's talking about, man, these are the things that guys just don't know. But if they knew, it would transform their relationship. I'm so glad, glad God just dropped that in my head right there. <laughs> but it's like if he knew that what, he, what she really needs from you is not your mouth. What she really needs is your shoulder. Um, then you're able to love her and you're able to be there for her and just listen to her because she feels connected to you as she talks about her problems, just knows that you care, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So we've, we've had sacrificial love. We had purifying love. We've, we've talked about caring love, which is really just, I, I really like that. Needs your shoulder, know each other's love language, know what care looks like to them. Cause care, what I think I'm showing care for Liz, she's not receiving it that way. And, and likewise, a lot of times. And so we need to know each other. And then the last one, it talks about unbreakable love. And, and I'm going to read this. It's in verse 31. But, Brandon, I, I'd like for you just to kind of speak into this one because you talked about this a little bit ago, that uh, one of the number one ways we can love our wives, or top four, uh, according to God's word, 
is, man, we've got to be committed. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to, it's got to be unbreakable. And it says it this way. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Uh, you spend a lot of time counseling marriages. Mm-hmm. What, and, and, I, and I'm guessing uh, that you see all four of these on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, but if they're in front of you, I'm also guessing a lot of times they're ready to run out the door. Yeah. Um, this verse says you can't have that attitude. So just kind of speak into it if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, I'll say there's a couple of parts to that. Um, the first part there is he says you have to leave your father and your mother. Um, I see a lot of young couples especially, yeah. um, and some that are middle-aged couples who have still not cut the umbilical cord. Okay. And so when Scripture says you got to leave your mama and your daddy, um, it means that you have a new team and you have a new family and that team and that family is more important than your old family. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to stop running to mama and daddy to vent about your spouse. You've got to stop running to your mama and your daddy for support and for them to have your back and choose your side in an argument because that'll destroy your marriage because what will end up happening is now your spouse doesn't even want to go be around your other family, your mom and your dad because your mom and your dad know everything that they've ever done wrong, and it takes them a whole lot longer to forgive them than it does for you to forgive them. And so that first part about leave your mama and your daddy, leave your father and your mother, (laughs) like knock it off. Like you need to speak about your wife or um, the ladies need to speak about their husband in a respectful, honoring, loving way when you're talking to your parents. Because if you involve them in all of the dirty laundry, it's not going to end well um, because that's their kid and they're yeah. going to be protective of their kid naturally. And so you got to leave mom and dad. And then the second part is you do have to be united to your spouse in a way that you become one flesh. Um, and so I tell people, even when I marry them, I say like from this day forward, you are no longer fighting for what is in your best interest. Mm. You are fighting for what is in our best interest. And I think that requires this spirit of perseverance. And I tell people, um, when I make them say their wedding vows, I make them say that from this day forward, I will embrace and embody this spirit of perseverance that says, I will never give up on God, I will never give up on you, and I will never give up on us. And I think that if people will just be committed to their partner and committed to the concept of the family and us, Rather than feeling like, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go, I'll just go jump into another relationship with someone else. Because here's what happens: what happens is, is you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And if you leave that relationship instead of you working on your part of the problem, you jump into this other relationship and you carry all those problems into that relationship. And it's a matter of time before the honeymoon phase ends. Honeymoon literally means one sweet month. (laughs) The honeymoon is going to come to an end. The passion is going to fade. And you've got to be in it for better or for worse. And think about legacy. Think about this thing called commitment. Because over the course of time, you've got an opportunity with that partner to develop a kind of intimacy that you will never develop with anyone else. But you'll never get there if you bail on the marriage and you don't keep your commitment. That's good. That's good. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, thanks, Steph and Liz as well. I, I want to close with this. You know, we didn't read this earlier, but I do want to read verse 32 because uh, it really is the summary of everything. The reason why Paul wanted to talk about marriage, the reason why it's a really important for 
for wives to submit and to show respect to their husband and for us to have mutual submission with one another. The reason why it's important for husbands to love our wives is because ultimately uh, our marriage is the only living, breathing illustration this side of heaven that God has given us to reflect Christ's relationship with the church. Mm-hmm. In fact, he says it this way in verse 32. He says, this is a profound mystery. Talking about everything he's been talking about. He says, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. Uh, so here's the deal. Not only do we need to get this marriage thing right for us and for each other, uh, we need to get this marriage thing right for the cause of Christ. Yeah. Uh, because the ultimate goal of our marriage is it's not about me, and it's not about Liz or Brandon and Stephanie. It, it's really about people looking at our marriage and saying, you know what, that's what Christ's love for the church looks like. Mm. And, and so, man, I, I've, I've had fun. Um, like I said before, we don't have it all together. Uh, mm. I'm sure there's things we could have talked about uh, that maybe if you're watching this or listening to this, you would have talked about. And so uh, my advice to you is then go talk about it. Yeah. You know, get together with your spouse and walk through these verses and, and ask them, you know, hey, you know, what does respect look like to you? What does sacrificial and caring love and on and on look like to you? And then have the guts to ask them, how am I doing in that? Yeah. Uh, because ultimately it's about Christ's relationship with the church. It's ultimately about being for each other so that we could be for Christ and for the church and the lost world around us. So, uh, uh, ladies, it wasn't that bad, was it? No, you guys okay? Funny. I know. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, we're going to actually get together again here in the near future. Um, if you didn't know that, John will send you a text. <laughs> we're going to actually talk about what it looks like to be for our children. And we'll just yeah. kind of continue this conversation with the goal of, again, everybody else continuing the conversation as well. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Loop, a podcast by Mosaic Church. For more information, visit us online at mosaicgc.com.